Hi folks, welcome to another edition of Gold Byzant. We'll be joined by other regular hosts of Gold Byzant, Pejman Pars, Bobaka Goldriz, and Sinai Simon. As we all know, Iran thankfully smoothly qualified for the World Cup with two games remaining and remarkable achievement for Carlos Keres for getting our country to consecutive back-to-back World Cups. And another remarkable stat I gotta say is that Iran is the only country right now currently in the qualifying rounds that has zero goals conceded. That by itself is just fabulous to see. We just discussed about the Uzbekistan match and just few points and you know what's what's in store for us and our team in the future. And as always, we appreciate the support. Hope you guys enjoy. Right now, joined with the directors of Gold Bazan. How you guys doing? Hi, Pasha. Nice Great to be to back to you guys. It's good. Good to be here again after a long time. Yeah, and in the center, you know, I want to first start off talking about obviously those Pakistan match. In the lineup, we had Bayram Van goal. Right back, we had Rezaian. Our two center backs were Hosseini and Purali Genji. Left back, Mohammadi. Our two midfielders were Azatoli and Karimi. On the right wing, we had Jahanbach, Shojai as a number ten, and Tarami on the wing, and Osman up top. And now first starting off with Pejman. What were your thoughts on the match and the lineup? Well, as usual, uh, my prediction is always wrong about uh, who will be playing. <laughs> and uh, the, the biggest surprise for me was, of course, uh, Ali Karimi starting. He's, he's still new in the national team. Uh, just a couple of games before that was well, his only experience. So I thought that he would play with someone else. And also playing... And Masood as a number 10 was kind of a surprise for me. Uh, I was expecting Osmoon playing from start because uh, I think that uh, our coach, Kerosh, sees him as the number one striker. I think that will be the case for a long time, although there is some nice competition uh, up there. So overall, uh, I more or less expected Except uh, a couple of uh, surprises. Bobak, I know you were really overly impressed with Karimi's first ever full 90 minute for the first team. Um, what did you make out of him, knowing that you know he's just recently had to move to Zagreb, which unfortunately hasn't worked out for him, but now he's doing well for his loan, co- loan club, Lokomotiva. Yeah, I think uh, he was one of the bright spots. He was very composed on the ball. He looked to do the simple things. He was good to close down. At times, he impresses me more than Ezatolai, who's been around the national team for a long time. I feel he has a good future with us. And this is going to be a partnership that works long term, I'm not sure. But overall, I think what Kirish has done, at least in the second chapter of his time with us, is... He's shown that he has no emotional attachment to any player. He will choose the best players for the job, something that a lot of people criticized him for having favorites during the World Cup or before the World Cup. So you see him making changes regularly, new players coming in and starting in big games like Kerimi without uh, holding any special attachment to someone like Ibrahimi, for example, or even Andro, who, uh, Andronik Temurian, who's back to full fitness but doesn't look like the old self. So overall, I think uh, the confidence in of the players, the confidence of Kirosh in the national team has made it easier for changes to take place without being overly cautious about this new player is coming in and how will he fare in a big game. 
So, you know, I know you highly rate Ali Karimi yourself. I'm knowing, you know, from growing up through the ranks of Sepahan and now, you know, with his debut that he just recently had playing full 90 minutes. Do you see him and Ezzat Tolay having a future partnership or do you see, like, Haj Safi potentially sliding back and Ali Karimi being his backup? Um, as impressive as, as Karimi was in this game and... And considering how impressive he has been in the last few years, as you said, coming through the ranks at Sepahan, and also for the Iran under-23s as well, uh, I don't think he can displace um, Safi that easily. I think Safi remains as one of our key players, um, and I would expect him to, to start most games. I think he had a, a, a knock... Um, which ruled him out for the game against Uzbekistan, which is why Karimi started. But I think the fact that Karimi has such a solid game and a, and a great performance, it will uh, give Kero some headaches um, as we, uh, you know, as the countdown start, starts for the World Cup. Uh, we know Omid Ibrahimi has been involved uh, for the past few squads. He wasn't involved in this one again because of an injury. So it was all great timing for Karimi to come in and, and, and make it great impression as he did um, so I would expect him to be more involved in, in the training camps and in, in the uh, in the preparation games uh, for the World Cup and I think the key thing for him the key um, element for him uh, in the com- upcoming season is for him to be playing regular club football uh, this season he made a, a big decision to uh, to move to Dynamo Zagreb uh, he didn't make that many appearances for his club he was loaned out to Lokomotiva. He played more regularly. He scored two goals, I think. Um, so we can see, you know, as, as he plays more regular, the more he will improve. He's only 23 years old. Um, so we can only expect him to get uh, better and better with time. Throughout this part, we've been discussing about the fullback positions that has always been seemingly uh, an issue for us. But... As we could see, Milad Mohamedi, for me, honestly, and I believe you guys will agree as well, has really, really impressed all of us. And he's doing such a fantastic job in Russia. Um, well, where do you guys see him? Do you guys feel like he should? he's going to be at, you know, predominantly, you know, left back throughout, you know, the course of the season and in the World Cup? Um, but on the other hand, for me, I still have an issue with Ramina Rezaian at the right back spot. And how do you guys assess his situation? I'm going to start off with Bobak. Well, since Mohamedi's come in, it's been a double blessing. First of all, uh, Kirosh has made a change from Haj Safi, who I think most of us can agree is a liability at left-back and can offer so much more in central midfield, so he's been free to play there. And second of all, we finally have a left-back who looks solid enough in defense, although I still think he can improve his, uh, let's say, tactical discipline a little bit, and is a threat going forward. His pace also helps... uh, Players like poor Ali Ganji, uh, I think, who he, who plays on the left side of centre-back or Hosseini or Montezeli, who probably all lack uh, enough pace. So I think uh, Mohamedi has that left-back left spot. It's his to lose unless there's an injury or a drastic loss of form. I agree with you about Reza Young. He's not my favourite uh, player in the lineup. Uh, he's probably the best of a inconsistent bunch right now. Uh, Kafuri uh, doesn't look like the player he was a couple of years ago during the Asian Cup. He looks like age is catching up. I think he's about 30 now. 
you don't see too many players coming through. Uh, so I think for Reza Ayan, it's very important where he goes and where he plays next season. Uh, if he can improve uh, the tactical side of the game for himself, again, he could be he could offer us good balance on the right, just like Mohamedi does. Pejman, how do you see the right back spot, especially knowing that even Pejman Montazeri could play there? Um, Gafuri and you know, unfortunately, I don't think you know Stephen Beto sure is going to get another call up. But for for you, um, with the fullback positions, how do you see how do you see those positions going? Uh, interesting, you mentioned uh, Beto sure because he he's done great in MLS and he should actually at least be called mm-hmm. up for the squad. But uh, let me start off with you know I have to agree with. Uh, uh, with Bobak about uh, Reza Ayan uh, being like one of you have to choose one of the not so good inconsistent players but uh, to be honest uh, Reza Ayan have done really great for the national team uh, he's a he's that kind of modern footballer that we need today and that we finally seem to found uh, he, he is I mean, uh, he needs to get better in defense, uh, that's for sure. But uh, when it comes to his uh, abilities to be part of the attacking system for Iran, he's done great. Uh, in the friend against Macedonia, it was a big reason for both of the goals happening. Uh, in the game against uh, Uzbekistan, uh, we saw that he and the rest of the national team didn't give Uzbekistan a single chance to creates uh, opportunity. Uh, he had a good pace. He runs a lot. He's a fighter. He needs to get some discipline. Uh, and he needs also to, to develop his uh, defensive play. But for me, uh, I can't really see Kafuri trying to compete for, for that spot. But the only chance Kafuri has is that he's maybe slightly a better defender but that's about it. Uh, I, I will choose Reza Ayan today if we have to uh, choose an 11 for the national team, uh, an 11 for the World Cup. That would be Reza Ayan for me. Sina? Yeah, I agree. I agree with uh, what initially Bobak said about um, the, the, there aren't that many great right backs. But Reza Ayan is a player who moved to Turkey last summer to play in Europe. Uh, that move failed for whatever reason. He he tried to go back to Paris Police. Paris Police accepted him, but he, he he rarely played. He was mostly on the bench. So for the past season, he's been on the bench or maybe starting one or two games up until January, February, where again he had a problem in training ground. He had a, a bust up with one of the players, and he's been uh, he was sacked from the club since then. So he's only played a handful of games for his club in the past season, but he's been a regular uh, for Iran, and I think. That is testament to how highly Kairosh regards him as a right back, uh, because look, Kairosh is a is a manager who um, didn't stopped inviting Adriel Zahiri to the national team because he didn't have a club because he wasn't playing regularly. Uh, but with Reza Yon, he's not really done the same because uh, Reza Yon again is our best right back, even though he's not been playing regularly for for almost a season. Um, so from this summer onwards, especially since the World Cup is in a year, Reza Yon has some big decisions uh, to make in terms of his future. 
I think personally, I think as long as he plays regularly for a club, then he, there is no doubt that he will start uh, for Iran in the World Cup as the first choice right back. Um, in terms of options, Vurya Ghafuri has been declining for the past 12 to 18 months, uh, especially since his move to Estherlor last summer. He's not been playing that well in defence. Um, the other options that we have are Hossein Mohini, who's been playing really well for uh, for Paris Police. Uh, he's, uh, he's got a great technical, tactical awareness, which is why he's been brought back into the setup by Kairos. Uh, after a couple of years. And there's another uh, right-back who's been involved for a couple of uh, squads as well. His name is Doniola Mohini. He was part of the Esselor Khuzestan team that uh, won the title last summer. Uh, again, you know, he's a, he's a very young right-back. He, he does have potential. He's a solid full-back. He's just decided to move to a bigger club in Iran. Uh, if he has a, a good season, if he if he plays regular and impresses throughout the season, then we could possibly look at him uh, making his way into the squad for the World Cup. But that, these are all ifs and maybes. Uh, for me, Reza Yon, again, it, as long as he's playing regularly for a club, then there is no doubt that he will uh, start as a first choice right back when the World Cup is, uh, you know, when, next summer. A player that honestly has really impressed me has proved me wrong um, with the role he's been playing for the national team is Tara Mi. Um, the, even the few matches, even in the last match against Uzbekistan, you know, he was our star player, um, both scoring and, you know, providing assists. And still coming back to you against you know, how do you see his role? And especially, he has such a fantastic partnership with Osmoon, especially for that second goal we saw against Uzbekistan. Um, do you think he's going to be potentially be going to be a regular starter for us? Well, I mean, as he has shown in the last few games and the trust that Kairos has put in him, uh, that he, he could be a regular uh, starter. I don't see why not with the way that he's been playing. Um I think one of the the most uh, important factors for him is his movement of the ball and the way he creates opportunities for others. Um, I know he's been finishing up as a top goal scorer in Iran for two years running now, but I don't think finishing is his uh, strongest point. Uh, he, he does miss a lot of chances for personalities. But the way he's been playing for Iran, I know Bobak and, and most of us was wasn't impressed with him uh, at the beginning uh, but he does uh, when it comes to the big moments he does turn up and um, I think Kairosh has a specific job for him to do which he seems to be doing uh, again that's the reason why he starts every game apart from just scoring the goals uh, he's got great records for Iran I think he's scored 10 goals in 19 games now which is very impressive for a, for a player who's not been playing as the centre forward. He's been playing um, down the left hand side or, or the right wing. Um, so yeah, I think he's been doing much better, much better than we would have thought uh, of a striker playing on the wing. Barback. I agree. Uh, when he first came in the line uh, in the team, about I don't know, just a year ago, or just over a year ago, maybe. Uh, I wasn't so pleased. I wasn't so pleased with his involvement during the game. He seemed to be trying too hard to make an impression, but he ended up getting at the end of some chances and getting goals, even from the outset. 
over time, he's kind of grown into the role. He's a little bit less of a headless chicken in, in that final third. And even if you don't see him so involved in the build-up play, he seems to uh, get involved when it matters. And whether it's linking up with Osmond, one-twos, whether it's releasing him, whether it's uh, coming at the end of uh, good chances like he did or creating a chance out of nothing for himself uh, against Uzbekistan. So I think the fact that Kirush has been picking him almost almost throughout, consistently, since he started him. So he's been playing as a starting player for, for, for his time in the national team. Suggests that there is something that he's doing that the coach likes. And the fact that Ashkan Dejava is not the same player he was uh, a few years ago. His pace, is, uh, his pace, which was never really there in the first place, it's even non-existent now. So if Dejaga is going to come back to play a role for us, I think it's going to be in a number 10 role behind Osmond. And then you have Amiri as well, who doesn't look like the player who broke through at the Asian Cup. So it suggests that the options are limited. You have Torabi as well. But I think that position is Taremi's to lose. He's done enough to stake his claim, and he's scoring vital goals. So we all have to raise our hands and say he's proved us wrong. Pejman, and one thing I also want to add, something that Bobak brought, which is a great point. Do you potentially, because we've been linked um, with Salman Godus, and you know, supposedly even the Federation has contacted that potentially he could get a call-up um, and he's done supposedly spectacular in Sweden. Do you could potentially see him playing a role for us as well, Pejman? Uh, well, I follow Samuel Rodos and his team Östersund in Sweden. And uh, let me say, start by saying that Östersund last year was a surprise team. They came up from uh, the division below called Superettan. And this year they, they are third so far. So they've been doing great. Uh, it, it, it wasn't just the first year's good luck. Uh, uh, with Samuel Rodos, he had a really good uh, second half of the uh, last season. And this season, although he hasn't been scoring that much, he's been vital and important for his team. Uh, he has some really good confidence, and uh, I believe the only way for him to be a interesting name in the squad for the Iranian national team is if he will change his club. When I interviewed him a couple of months ago, he said that uh, he wants to uh, find a new club this summer, summer 2017. If that's still uh, uh, something he talks about and wants, I don't know, but that was then. And he was talking about a bigger or better club in Europe. That will be his uh, his ticket in for a national team. Because so far, I have a hard time seeing Samokados as a regular player, starting player for the Iranian national team. He but Pejman, he don't you think that he's too close to the Swedish national team? I think he's already played a couple of times, and uh, obviously friendlies, and they're quite recent appearances. So do you think he would choose Iran if he feels he can make it in the Swedish national team. And also, sorry to interrupt, this is a Iran team which already has three or four strikers playing in Europe with Sadar Osmoon, who arguably will be Iran's number one, even if Odus does decide to play for Iran. Uh, you also have Ansari Fad playing Olympiakos and Hochan in Holland and how well he did last season. So 
Um, do you think he would even get be able to get into the squad for the World Cup if he does decide uh, to play for England? Yeah, I believe, but maybe not as a, a lone striker up front. Uh, he could be play as a number ten or even at at, at the left wing mm -hmm. possibly. Uh, so that's not impossible. Um, he, he's he's a good pace. He's he's really fast and he has a nice. Uh, he, he scores a lot of nice goals because his, his shoots are kind of hard. But uh, the the thing is, uh, all players they dream of playing for the world uh, in the World Cup, and so far Sweden, although they don't really have. That's much of great uh, uh, forwards. They've been playing really good as a team. Uh, some of others is what I can see right now, not an interesting player for the Swedish national team. So yeah, if he will get called up by Iran, I'm sure that he will take that opportunity. Maybe Ikeros will test him out in, in some friendlies or some camps, see if he is that kind of player that's, that he... Yeah, that he wants or that he needs. But today, I can't see him playing uh, before Karim Al-Sarifad or even Reza Khushanajad. But in my opinion, I think Qadus is better than Khushanajad. And did, uh, did, you ask him, uh, did you ask him straight up, would you uh, choose to play for the national team, Melli? Yeah, yeah, I asked him and uh, he said, well, we crossed that bridge when we come to it. Uh, It will be very uh, <laughs> Yeah, it will be uh, uh, an honor if both teams want me. But uh, he said back then that Sweden was his number one choice because he's grown up in Sweden. He's, he he now also played for the Swedish national team, although it was kind of like a a B team. But if he would choose uh, back then, he said Sweden. Today he would probably say Sweden as well, but. If not, then Iran is a really good choice for him. Yeah. Before um, I ask the Twitter questions, the final two questions I have for you guys, I'm going to start off with Bob Like with this one, is if you look at how Karoj and his style of play was when he first came into the squad with this team, and now the transition to the free-flowing football that we, we have now, Bob Like, do you think he's going to go back you know, playing how we did beforehand, or do you think he's going to keep this style of play going into the World Cup? Uh, it's a tough question. There's been an evolution. Let's not forget that Kirosh probably took over a side that was aging, passed its sell-by date, and it was, mm -hmm. and he made it perform better than the sum of its parts. So we have to give him credit for that period. And then he proved a lot of people wrong by showing that he can uh, evolve, he can change the style, he can change the system if required. And if he has the right sort of player. So you have people like Azmoun coming through. You have Jahan Baksh coming through. You have Pul Ali Ganji in defense. You have Saeed Ezatolahi, Bayron Van. So you have a lot of young players who clearly have talent and who have also made the move to Europe, a lot of them. So you have quite a lot of Iranian players playing in Europe. And that's probably the best period we've had other than the era of Ali Dai, Mehdi uh, Matavikya, Azizi, Bagheri, and these guys being in Europe. So that that we have to put as a backdrop to the question. But uh, going to the World Cup, I don't think we are playing free-flowing football the way you put it. I think we've played pragmatic football, but we are more adventurous. Uh, 
where we need to be. I mm-hmm. think we take the game to our opponents when the onus is on us. But then again, you look at the game against Qatar in uh, uh, even in Tehran and uh, in was it in Doha, if I'm not mistaken. The first game, I think it was in uh, Tehran. Even yeah, then, we were not. We were we were kind of being outplayed, although against weaker opponents. We were letting them have the ball, dictate the play, and then we hit them with two sucker punches right at the end. So I'm not going to say we're going to dominate the ball in the World Cup. I think uh, we need to keep the solid defensive base. And uh, obviously, if you're playing free-flowing football, I don't think we would have conceded zero goals and scored eight goals. So we've been clinical and efficient. We need to find ways to put away more of our chances. I think... uh, we are a little bit wasteful because we're not going to create six, seven clear-cut chances a game. I wouldn't be so disappointed if we are a little bit uh, in our shell if we're coming up against big teams. I feel we have far better players on the counter-attack and an attack to make our opponents pay. So I think we have to cross the bridge when we come down to it, like Samon Godos said. We have to see who we're playing in the World Cup and we have to... uh, we have to make a strategy for each game. Sina? Yeah, I, I agree. I think in comparison to 2014, in 2014, 2013 and 2014, we were playing really defensively because we weren't good enough. That was the reason, because we didn't have the team, we didn't have the players, and we had no option but to play defensively if we wanted to make it to the World Cup. And then in the World Cup, we, of course, we knew what happened. Difficult group we had to play that sort of defensive game. Right now, we don't play defensive, we play counter-attacking, but because it suits the players, it suits um, the, the uh, of course, it suits Kairos most more than anyone. Um, but I think, there's as, as Bobak said, we play more pragmatic football right now than we did in 2013. 2013 was just let's just defend and hope for the best. Whereas right now, we have a plan, we have a strategy. If we don't have the ball, we know what we're doing. Every player, this is what I'm impressed about the most on the K-Rush in the last couple of years, every single player in the team know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Every single player. Even the players that come off the bench know exactly what they should be doing. And I think that's the best thing that K-Rush has done. Uh, for this team that everyone knows their role there's a strategy there's a clear plan of what we want to achieve in every game of how we want to play how we want to make the opposition play if we want them to have the ball if they are having the ball it's because we want them to have it you know it's not because um, you know we want to have it and we're not able to if that makes sense you know we, we are leading the opposition to areas that we want them to go to um, if we want them to play down the middle then we push them down the middle. You know, we, we tactically, I think this is the best Iran team that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So going into the World Cup, as Bobak said as well, it's important that uh, it's important to see who we get in our group. But it's not about the names. It's not about the big name countries. That's not what I'm concerned about. I'm mostly concerned about the styles of football that we'll be facing. If we face another team that plays counter-attacking football like us, I think that's where we struggle. But if we go up against teams that want to want to keep hold of the ball, want to attack, then that will suit us so much more. So that's what I'm really looking forward to see to see what kind of what styles of football we get in our group and if it is a perfect fit for the way for the way we play. Pejma?
Yeah, the guy said most of uh, the important stuff. Just one, just one, one thing that I noticed. Uh, I noticed it a lot of games now for Iran is the high pressure that Iran been having on on weaker teams, or at least every team that they're playing. But against Uzbekistan, if you look, especially in the second half of the second half, so to say, uh, Iran was uh, pressing pressing. Uzbekistan really high up. They had like four or five players deep in the Uzbekistan half, forcing them to to shoot wide. And that was exactly what what Sina was saying that uh, we are controlling how they are playing. And that that was really impressive because uh, Kerosh is forcing the uh, the wingers, the midfielders, the attackers to actually. Put a high pressure and just don't wait on the ball, as the as we used to see in the Iranian league, where you have like these divas up front. They don't want to do anything. They just want to score and celebrate by themselves. That's something that you don't see in a national team. And uh, for me, that that's uh, that attitude change is something that I hope we'll, we'll see in the league as well, not just in uh, in the national team. I think it's also confidence. The players, the manager, they're confident in what they're doing. They feel like they're better than the opposition. They're not fearing. Someone like Uzbekistan is a team that has always been, let's say, a bit of a fearful name for a lot of opponents in the in the Asian qualifiers, etc. I mean, they've never really hit their potential, but it's a team that everyone has respected. So. I feel the confidence of the manager, the confidence of the players in what they're doing has made it easier to follow through with the discipline for 90 minutes and not taking their foot off the pedal. So we have to yeah, really respect yeah. what uh, Kairosh has built now. Exactly. And that's maybe why uh, a player, a smart player uh, like Ali Karimi can actually play his first World Cup qualifier against a tough side as like Uzbekistan and know exactly what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I don't know if Ali Karimi would be a better player uh, under an Iranian coach. Uh, I can't see that happening. Uh, but I, I haven't seen him that much in Sepahan when he plays, so I can't really speak for that. But Well, uh, the, the, ironically, his manager at Sepahan was Zlatko Kranjan, who is, again, a foreigner who brought him through. <laughs> yeah, well, th- there you go. Uh, so... Uh, what we see now is a is a team Iranian team without any stars. Okay, Osmoon is our biggest star, but let's be honest. People in Europe are still googling his name when he, when uh, there are rumors that he will be playing in bigger clubs. Nobody knows our players. Nobody knows about Rami Rezaian and uh, and most for other players or Milad Mohammadi that we value so much. But somehow, Keros uh, Keros have. Uh, seen the best of every player and made the best of every player and that's something regardless of what you think about the national team or how boring they play or, or they just win 1-0 or 2-0 you can't find any other coach bringing out this team with, with these names performing this good and that for me uh, I'm really I'm really pleased to see these players develop and taking the next step uh, in the European clubs, such as Milad Mohammadi. Uh, I just, just want to add. Yes, yeah, no, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll go I ahead. wanted to say it's very important that 
the fact that we've qualified early, we've already announced the game against Russia, a preparation game uh, in October, I think it is. It's very important mm-hmm. that our players have the experience of playing against European teams, South American teams, African teams in the run-up to the World Cup. It needs to be a natural feeling when they go up against, uh, let's say, Nigeria or Cameroon or Egypt, wherever it is in the World Cup, or the US or Mexico, etc. We have lacked this real game experience which Japan and Korea have gained in the last 15 years by playing against top teams. They don't have to be the best teams in, uh, in the world, but against the teams that are up there in the reckoning and beating those teams. So the feeling is natural. Now, we beat Montenegro. Maybe they may not be the biggest team in Europe, but they had Stefan Jovetic. They had uh, Stefan Savic. So they, they have players that are notable. And beating them in, in, in their home ground is important psychologically for us, when we come up next time against the likes of Bosnia, Serbia, Croatia, wherever it is, that we can play against these teams. We have played against them. We can beat them. So this feeling needs to be kind of inbred. And that's the next challenge for Kerosh, to make sure the players think that, okay, it's not that we're beating Qatar, China, Syria, or whoever. We can play against the top teams and we can get results against them as well. Yeah. Also, just one more thing I wanted to add are fitness levels. I think if you if you concentrate on the way we play and also uh, the way that we, how players perform for Iran, fitness levels have dramatically improved in the past uh, four years. I remember in preparation for the World Cup in 2014, Kerush had complained about how poor the fitness levels are for Iran and how this could be uh, a really a danger for us going into the World Cup. And uh, to be fair, if you historically look at us, in, in big tournaments. I mean, 2006 World Cup, you'd remember against Portugal and Mexico, how in the last 20, 25 minutes, we'd, we just wouldn't be able to perform at that level. In the last World Cup in 2014, um, we, were, we were good in the first two games, but once, it, once we went into the game against Bosnia, we were, again, we weren't up for it. And after the tournament, there was an interview with Pouladi, and Pouladi said we were just simply tired. We, 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 we just couldn't play against Bosnia. We were really, really tired. And I think in this tournament, there wouldn't be any of those issues because he's had so long to prepare. And I think fitness levels would be much, much higher uh, in this tournament, which would, again, increase the levels of performance and how much uh, these players can run and, uh, of course, play to their best. So yeah. I think that could be a huge factor as well. Yeah, and maybe we should uh, not forget Iran's fitness coach uh, from Finland, uh, Miku Koya, if I'm not mistaken. He's yes. been a fitness coach for Iran for quite some time now. And and I live in Sweden. And, and uh, even if you, if, you, if you guys think that Swedish people are tough, you haven't seen the Finnish people. I mean, they are the... the most badass, toughest people you can find on this planet. You know that they they will eat you up. Uh, they have a weak uh, football team, but they're among the best uh, in hockey and uh, a couple of other winter sports. Uh, and uh, Miku himself, he looks like he looks really physically in shape. And the car Kerosh and the players seem to have faith in him because he mean he's been in the national team for quite some time now. So. I think uh, we should uh, not forget Timo as well. Yeah, yeah just look at Sardar Osman. Uh, I remember Pejman and I were talking regularly during most of our games. At the 60th minute mark, 
he looked completely gone and running on a zero. But now in the last few games, you can see him 90 minutes in. He's still making an impact. He's not necessarily subbed off anymore. So it's very important for someone. And he's only 21 or 22. So it's unacceptable for a player like him to be running on empty after 60 minutes. So clearly, whatever, whatever formula these guys have behind the scenes, it's working. My final question to you guys before I move on and ask uh, questions from Twitter is that do you consider now Carlos Kairish the greatest manager in Iran's history, Bobak? Most definitely. I mean, uh, over the fact that he survived all the politics in Iran, all the backbiting, the media, the other managers, jealousy, etc., that's one battle on its own. But the fact that he's overseen probably taking our worst ever group of players to the World Cup last time around and then following that up with a complete turnaround in terms of style of football and dominance to be the undisputed number one team in Asia with a crop of very good players with a lot of potential qualifying for our second World Cup in a row for the first time in history. And I think he's the longest term manager in charge of Team Meli as well in mm -hmm. terms of, I think, six years or something like that. So yeah. I think... He is. It would be nice if he could cap it off with a second round in the World Cup. Then it would really put everything to bed. But in my heart, I would love him to stay beyond the World Cup and give the Asian Cup its shot because I genuinely feel this team, if we have a little bit of luck on our side, has the chance to break this 40-year or 40-something 40 year duck when it comes to winning the Asian Cup as well. Yeah, beautifully said. Sina? I agree. I mean, today, um, Kairosh said during an interview that he wishes to stay in charge of Iran until 2022. Wow! I mean, you should take that with it. You should take that with a pinch of salt. And I'm his biggest fanboy. I'm so ecstatic just hearing that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, he said that the the preparations for the 2018 World Cup are, I'm quoting here, uh, short-term planning for him as he's looking forward to being in charge until 2022. But again, that's that's too far ahead. But I agree. I think Kairosh has been fantastic for us. He's, he's done so much uh, for the national team. and But I think for his doubters and for his legacy, I think he really does need to get a result in the World Cup. Um, again, for us, it's not really uh, in any doubt that he has been the best manager for Iran. But I think for his own legacy... He needs to at least get a win in the World Cup and um, shut some of these uh, doubters. I, I, I was watching Navrat the other night, and Mehdi Taj, the federation president, said that they already they have a new federation complex for the national teams, where all the different levels and age groups would be housed together, and that Carlos Kiros would be overlooking the overall, let's say youth development this is like some sort of new uh, concept and he said Kairos was complaining I'm playing a certain system but the other age groups are playing different system this doesn't benefit Iran in the long term and they said that part of his mandate or part of his role is going to be overseeing the development of the youth team so that sounds like long-term planning uh, it's difficult for me to see Kairos taking another job so maybe there is a, some sort of let's say, principal agreement that he's going to stay for another four years or five years and oversee the youth development as well. So we can we can only hope. I think for Kairos himself, 
these next 12 months will be key into making his decisions. If he doesn't get the support he needs in terms of getting the training camps, getting the friendlies, getting what he needs to prepare for the World Cup, then I don't think he will be too keen to stay because then it would have meant it's happened twice, not just for the 2014 World Cup, but also for this World Cup as well. Then he would be thinking twice about staying on. But um, yeah, I mean, we all hope that uh, does happen and he does stay on. Benjamin? Pejman, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 no problem. Uh, yeah, I said it. I I agree with uh, Bobak with everything he said, and also with Sina that uh, he needs to leave a legacy behind him now, uh, even if he stays or not. Uh, this is his opportunity to to make uh, uh, run historical by coming uh, by actually qualifying to the second round or getting a gold medal in the in the Asian Cup. So for me, yeah, he's uh, number one. All right, so the first question I have from Twitter is from Adel Shirin. I'm going to come back to you again, Pejmon. Is that do you, he, he mentions that how far do you see Ron progressing um, last 16? Is that a realistic expectation now? Yeah. Uh, Other John, yes, I do believe that it's realistic. Uh, well, we said that the last time also, and we stopped saying that when we saw uh, our opponents, because it was a, a tough group with Argentina, Nigeria, and uh, a joker in, in uh, Bosnia. This time around, uh, uh, those kind of teams, like Nigeria and Bosnia, uh, Iran can actually play a decent game against them and we should ex expect, hopefully, at least one win. Uh, we will most probably uh, have a really tough opponent, such as Argentine or France or Brazil, but the other two teams, they should be equal to Iran, hopefully. So it all depends on, uh, on what kind of teams Iran will get, but I'm, I'm hopeful and I believe that Iran can... Uh, get to the second round. Sina? Yeah, I agree, but I think uh, in terms of our opponents, it's not the names that I'll be looking at in particular. As I mentioned, it'll be the styles of football that I'll be looking for to see whether if they do play the kind of football that we can beat. Uh, you know, we were even in friendlies, we already seen us beat the likes of Chile, and that was Chile on the Sampaoli. They went on to win the Copa America. Uh, probably the best Chile side that there's been on their peak. And we beat them because they played the sort of football that fits our mentality, our philosophy. Um, so I think if we go up against teams like that, who, who like to get on the ball, who like to attack, then it suits us perfectly. But if we do go up against teams such as Costa Rica in the last World Cup, you know, teams who, who, who play counter-attacking football themselves, then I think that would be above the struggle for us. So it's not the names that I'll be looking out for in particular. It's more, it's more the styles of football that I hope uh, fits us. And if it does, then, then I think a round of 16, a historical round of 16, uh, will be possible in Russia. Bobak. 
I agree with the guys. Uh, with Cena, I'm somewhere in the middle. I mean, yes, okay, um, it's not that we are afraid of the names, but the names sometimes signify something as well. If you come up against Argentina, even if those are going to dominate the ball and the style would net on, on paper suit our game plan, it's going to be a tough uh, slug for us. So it's not likely that we're going to get a result. Maybe if we're, with some luck, we could. So I think we're we're kind of due some luck in the draw for the World Cup. Uh, we've had some tough, tough uh, choices, uh, selections in the past few editions. Germany's been there, Serbia, Argentina, Portugal, Mexico. These are all teams who were in very good shape at the time. Our, our best draw was actually the last World Cup, despite the fact that we disappointed so much. I will add at the end, though, I recently had a dream, and we were in the World Cup final, and we were playing England for the tournament, so you never know what that means. <laughs> I, can't tell, I can't tell which one is more impossible than England <laughs> to get to the World Cup final or England. <laughs> um, this, we have a question from Juventus LA Club, and this question is definitely specific tailored for Cena. Is, where is Andronic, and will he be in the team? In 2018. Well, we were talking about this before we started recording the part. Um, Andranik, he is the past season has been up and down for him. He was he had a lot of injuries first half of the season when he was at Moshin Sozi, who was really struggling in the league. They were bottom of the table all the way through. Um, since January, he moved to Dafta Tehran under Ali Dai. He he managed to get some regular football, but. Um, I don't think he's the same player he was. Um, so since January, when he has been playing regularly, he's not really been invited to the national team. He's been uh, he's been cast aside, if you like. So I don't think we will see him in 2018 World Cup. Um, and the fact that there is a player at Persepolis uh, by Kamalikom Ibinio who has been playing for Iran in the last two years. He's very similar to Andranik in terms of he's a very combative midfielder. Um, so I think if Kairosh does need that sort of uh, central midfielder, uh, the type who will, you know, he's more of a destroyer who likes to tackle, then I think he will choose to go for Komiobinio at this moment of time than, than Andranik. Uh, and I don't think Andranik in the next year he's going he's gonna to regain that shape that he had um, a couple of years ago. So... Uh, we might have seen the end of uh, Andranik, unfortunately. Another question we have is from Martin Lowe, and um, sort of similar question to Adele's, but this time he's asking how far do we honestly expect Iran to progress in Russia? I'm going to go with Pejman. Do you see us actually progressing? Well, a man can dream. Just ask Bobak. <laughs> 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 I do believe that Iran can progress uh, to the second round. Uh, I mean, one year of preparation, that's a long time. Yeah, but this is uh, Iran we're talking about in preparation. That's true, but even with Iranian me measures, that's good enough. Because uh, hopefully now people, other countries would like to play against Iran. Uh, to, to prepare themselves because they, they get a decent opponent, uh, uh, opponent that uh, is uh, uh, technically maybe not the best, but uh, great discipline, uh, a, a team that's hard to beat, uh, and not a team that you, you just 
can go out and expect a win. So for other teams, uh, Iran is an interesting candidate. So that's why I think Iran can prepare well and hopefully win a game, maybe draw a game and go to the second round. Nothing is impossible anymore. Babak? Yeah, I agree with the guys. I think uh, with a little bit of luck and the fact that this is going to be our longest preparation towards the World Cup, we're usually accustomed to qualifying in October or November. So I think we can. And I, I'm quite positive. If you ask me today, we're going to get, if you tell me today, we're going to get knocked out in the group stage, I think most of us are going to be quite disappointed. So mm-hmm. I think the expectations, and it's somehow something that the manager is going to bring upon the team as well, because of the confidence, the way they're talking, the mood of the players. I think there's a sort of confidence around the camp that suggests that this team, the goal is to qualify for the next World Cup. Fair to support, ask Kairosh somehow, like without putting him on the spot, that is the goal going to go to the second round? And he said, that's what we're trying, that's the point of qualifying for the World Cup. Otherwise, we might as well not play. So it suggests to me that we're going to do whatever it takes to progress this time. Sino? I agree. I completely agree. I think uh, in terms of preparation, as Bob had said, this has been the longest time that we've had. Uh, and knowing K-Rush and knowing how much importance he puts on being prepared and training camps, uh, then I have no doubts that he, he will have the right plans for us in the next 12 months. But again, I think there will be a lot of emphasis on, on the group, on the teams that we get uh, in our group and uh, whether we would have the luck of the draw, as Bob had put it or not. Um, I think that will be the key factor for us um, going into the World Cup. Also, avoiding injuries are so important for us. This is a very settled team at the moment. So I think any injuries will be not not irreplaceable, but I think it would uh, it would really have uh, it would really damage our um, chances in the World Cup. Um, I mean, especially with players such as Milad Mohammadi, who is possibly our only right back. You know, so imagine if he gets injured, knock on wood, um, then we would be in a bit of a trouble. So I think avoiding injuries for these players uh, will be hugely important in the build-up to the World Cup. And the final question we have is from Hassan Ghulami. He says, who is the most important player for Iran? I'm going to start off with Bobak with this one. It's tough to say. I mean, I think we all agree that this is a real team. And almost any player is probably replaceable. And this team, the way Kairos has set it up, we're not relying too much on a player. Uh, if I was pushed to make pick one or two players. One would be definitely Sadar Azmoun because as much as we have people like Ansari Fad, Buchan Najad and uh, let's say others ready to step in and they've done decent in Europe recently, I think at the highest level only Azmoun has that quality to go to the top of the game. So um, he would be one and I would also pick Milad Mohammadi, not necessarily because he is a vital uh, uh, let's say, star player, but because of what having him means to the team, the balance that we have in defense and the fact that Haj Safi is able to play in central midfield. In case Mohamed is not available, it only not only disrupts our defense, but probably pulls back Haj Safi to a left-back position, which 
he's had very, very mixed results at best and then exposes our central midfield again probably. So I would probably pick those two players. Pejman? Um, well, if we ask Kerosh, he would probably say Ezatolai because he's the player that's been playing most of Iran's games. Uh, my pick wouldn't be Ezatolai. Uh, and I have a hard time picking because uh, I can, as Bobak says, anyone can be irreplaceable. We haven't, we have had good games without Osmond as well. But I will go with Osmond as well because he is that kind of game-changing player that we need. Maybe he won't even start the game. Maybe he will just play 20-30 minutes. But he's the kind of player that can score goals. But uh, he doesn't need 10, 20 opportunities. Uh, he actually is quite good at taking his opportunities. Uh, he's one of the best I've seen uh, with his head. So uh, I will go with Osmond, probably. And I know Sina will definitely pick oh, that. Or, or Jahan Bakhsh. Sorry, I almost forgot Jahan Bakhsh. But, uh, I mean, uh, he gets injured too often when it, when it comes down to the national team. And, and that's something he should be worried about because uh, it happens a little bit too often, I think. But uh, he is a player that's, that can change games as well, but Osmond as well. or And, and then after that, John Bakhsh. I think Sina's going to say Adir as a Hayri if he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we all agree on Osmond as, as one of um, the important players. I'm also going to go for Hosseini. I know he's really he's, he's, he's coming towards the end of his career, but we've seen how important he is whenever he, he starts uh, for Team Ali. Every time he plays, he puts in a stellar performance. So I think replacing him, if we are to replace him for the World Cup, will be a huge, huge task for um, for Kairos, uh, not just in terms of what kind of player he goes with, but also for the partnership that he has with Pura Liganji and, and the settled back four that we have. So I think he is but really important. Sina, yes. Sorry to interrupt. Don't you think that Pura Liganji and Montazeri could be a solid uh, couple? They actually, they actually played a couple of games and Hosseini wasn't that missed. Hosseini is a great leader. But uh, as a player, I think, what do you reckon Pura Liganji and Montazeri? I would, if I had the choice between Hosseini and Montazeri, I would go for Hosseini. I, I don't think Montazeri has been that great in the past uh, in the past year or so, and with his supposed move to Iran, I think, which I mean, he's he's, he's supposed to move to Esalen. Uh, it will mean he will be playing at a, a lower level, if you like. So I'm not sure if he would be up to the standards of Hosseini. Hosseini has shown consistently that he can play. Um, at that level and also the, the games I think that we, we have conceded not in the final round of qualifiers but before that were the games that Montezari played at centre-back if I'm not mistaken so um, I think Hosseini will be key and, and the fact that he continues to play uh, for Iran regardless to his age shows how much importance Kairos puts on him even though as you said Montezari has been involved in a couple of games but Hosseini continues to start uh, alongside Purali Ganji and I think Kairos sees him as, as one of the key members and also one of the concerning things 
things for me. I'm not going to say he's a key player as such, but the fact that we've only got one player like him is Masushi Jai. We were all disappointed with some of his performances in the last couple of years, but he continues to be our only number 10. Um, I mean, Dejaga has played in that role, but he's not really a number 10. Shoja is the only number 10 that we have, and I think that is a cause for concern, and we've been waiting for Keros to find a solution to that. But he's continued to stick with Shoja in that role. Uh, he's had a good year in Europe uh, last season, uh, with his team in groups and he has somewhat, somewhat improved in his performances for Iran but I think there does need to be another player stepping up uh, to challenge him for that number 10 spot there's Richard Afi who has decided to leave Paris Police and, and move abroad whether that will be to Qatar or Europe is a different question but we've seen we saw Afi in 2015 World Cup being in uh, 2015 Asia Cup sorry being involved in that in that tournament, but since then he's not really been uh, playing for Iran. So I'm not sure how Kairos wants to deal with this if he if he wants to start Shujai at the World Cup. But I would like to see other attacking midfielders being given a chance to see what they can do in the next twelve months. I think I think Shujai has a cool head on his shoulders, and even though he's going to be 34 at the World Cup, I think. Uh, He's impressed. Uh, he's impressed me since the Asian Cup. He's improved in the sense that he, he's doing what's needed for the role. He's not overdoing it. He's not dallying on the ball. He's not trying to make runs. So I think he's, he's done well enough. But despite what you say that Ashkan Dejava is not uh, number 10, Ashkan Dejava is never going to be a winger again, not at his age. So he has to adapt or reinvent himself as a number 10. He's got the skill. He's got the creativity. Uh, he lacks the pace to play in any other position. So I think that it could be a challenge between those two guys. Or if Ad Safi comes back in, is there a chance that he's going to play with Ad Safi, Ezetolahi, and maybe Karimi in central midfield? More solid, but having one box-to-box player maybe. So it's, it's an interesting position. And one of the few which I think we can say is not a nailed-down certainty for the World Cup. Well, the thing with Dejaga as well is he's not really been playing a lot of football in the past two years. I mean, he was at Al Arabi in, in Qatar um, the season before last. He, he was in and out of the team. In the past season, he's been injured. For the past six months, he was at Wolfsburg. He, he, I think he only played one game, the final game of the season. So again, he has another key and important 12 months ahead to, to find a club that he can actually play regular football in. Uh, you know, first team football that he's not really been getting in the last two years. So, again, you know, that. although I agree with you, but he's not much of a, an improvement on, on, on Shojai himself. Well, I appreciate all your uh, thoughts and everything. Um, we're going to wrap this episode up. As always, for the viewers, uh, we always appreciate the support, and uh, we'll be releasing more pods down the line. As always, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Pasha, for hosting this once again. Great job.